0: Good morning. I hey, that's good. I don't know what it is about the first Sunday in June, but everybody's just really on the ball. First service was really sharp as well. Good to have you with us. We want to welcome you today. We're one church, one message, many expressions. We've got other things going on in the building right now, people listening over in the video cafe. We have our chapel that's meeting here in the building. Our Milton campus is meeting right now. And uh, if you're joining us online, we want to welcome you as well. It's great to have you with us today on this first Sunday of June. You enjoying the, the summer weather so far? Hey, it's not even summer yet, but we're doing pretty good, right? So, uh, glad to have you here. I know that it's a little bit wet out there today, but it's dry in here, and so it's great to have you here. We're going to get you to take out your Bibles, and uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, we have some that we can loan to you. So if you need one today, just raise your hand up nice and high. One of our ushers will bring you a Bible this morning. And ushers, thank you for serving us in that way. I'll get you to take your sermon notes out now at this time as well. You have those paper copies in your bulletin, or if you're using our Portico app, we want to just encourage you to open up the app, and you can find the notes there. Uh, Right on the main page under this week at the very top. And if you're having trouble with your app, if you have an iPhone having trouble getting your app to refresh, uh, we are aware of the problem. We've talked to the company and they tell us that they are working on it. They've sent it to their top level developers, okay? So we're confident that that will be addressed. But uh, if you're having some issues, that's why. We're continuing our series today called Heroes and Villains. Heroes and Villains. And we're going to look together at a character from the New Testament. whose name is Barnabas, and this man figures significantly into the life and the story of the early church, but he also, for all intents and purposes, was just a fairly everyday, ordinary guy. Now, if you are a fan of the superhero, you'll know that uh, many superheroes, they have these alter egos that are just normal, everyday people. I think about Peter Parker, who became a photographer for the Daily Bugle. Any Spider-Man fans out there? Yeah, there's a few, and uh, you know he's just a, this quiet photographer for the the Bugle newspaper. Superman, he's from another planet, but he developed his own alter ego, Clark Kent. Any Superman fans out there? Yeah, there's a few of you who go watch super superhero movies. All right. And so, Clark Kent is this mild-mannered reporter for the Daily Planet, and there's some interesting things about the development of his character. He actually, you know, the, the creator adopted a passive and introverted personality for him with conservative mannerisms, even a higher-pitched voice, and a slight slouch, the opposite, the exact opposite of his real Superman persona in almost every, day, every way. Well, we don't live in a land of superheroes, do we? No. No. If you're thinking that maybe Superman is sitting beside you, I'm sorry to tell you it's likely not true, okay? But uh, we do live in, in our context in a, in a land where uh, there, are, there are people all around us who sometimes are just everyday ordinary people, but sometimes they do extraordinary things. And we want to talk just a little bit about that today. And while we were getting ready for this talk on Barnabas, we came across a story of one such contemporary, everyday hero that kind of helps us to frame the conversation that we want to have today. So I want to just turn your attentions to the screen, and let's watch this this morning.
1: Matt Black knows a thing or two about change. He went from living on the streets to owning his own recording studio. As Alison Vushnik reports, he's now channeling his talent to inspire homeless youth.
2: I was kicked out when I was 15. Literally have an hour to go.
1: Homeless and alone, Matt Black searched for food and a place to sleep.
2: Either stairwells, uh, parks, uh, I've even slept in people's cars in their driveway, uh, waking up in the morning before they got up for work. The only options that seemed to be uh, presented to me were gangs and, and drugs.
1: What kept him going was his music. Nine years on the street, struggling to survive and watching friends die, took its toll. Matt had lost hope.
2: We're all
1: he decided he would play one final gig, and later that night, he would end his life.
2: When I was done, I was going to go to a hotel and do whatever it took.
1: This is that performance.
2: Thank you. But um, as I s- stepped off the stage. Um, JB was there hey. yes, what's up?
1: Matt had no idea that in the audience was jB a Canadian hip hop mogul who 's also a record label owner JB was impressed by matt 's talent right away JB gave Matt a place to live and access to a recording studio
0: You just know that you see something in somebody and it 's got to take that chance for people sometimes
2: his belief in me is Like un, you know, no doubts whatsoever. It like changed something in my brain in that moment. And then I knew that the universe had other plans.
1: Two years later, Matt was a homeowner with a successful recording studio of his own, but it wasn't enough. So he started Heroes in Black, a not-for-profit that changes the lives of homeless youth.
2: Our main goal is to rebuild, inspire, and employ homeless youth.
1: They hold hero training, connecting youth with entrepreneurs. The goal to find out what a young person wants to do and make it happen. This initiative is called Hunger Heroes. Every month, giving out free food and clothing, thanks to Ontario-based, hero-certified burgers. Not only does he do things that are great, he inspires others to do great, and I think that's the most heroic thing you can do.
2: Do we know which shelters we're hitting up yet?
1: In less than three years, Heroes in Black has helped close to 50 homeless youth find a job, and they have fed close to 3,000 people, and they're expanding.
2: This is my calling, and I'm here for it.
1: Matt says JB changed his life, and now Matt is giving hope and empowering homeless youth. That's why Matt Black is our everyday hero.
0: What a great story, right? And I love... What I love about that story is that Matt was someone who had some talent, but he was in a circumstance where he never really had a shot. But JB came along and he gave him the chance that he needed, the opportunity he needed to succeed. And that made all the difference, and it's a fantastic story. In the end, Matt gets a lot of attention in the story, but really J.B. is is kind of a hero as well. J.B. is the one who, who gave him a leg up, who helped him. And so we want to just talk about that today, and I love how this story parallels what we're going to be talking about. Another everyday hero from the pages of the Bible, and we're going to introduce you to him. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, and I'll give you a little second to find that, Acts chapter 4. It's uh, near the middle, just a little bit to the right, right after the four gospels. And uh, look to the book of Acts chapter 4 and verse 36. And here's what it says. If you're not there yet, let me read it for you. It says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. I'm just going to read that far uh, right now, which means son of encouragement. You know, I, I said it before. We don't often consider ordinary people to be everyday heroes. And Joseph, or Barnabas, as was his nickname, he was just pretty much an ordinary guy. Look at a little background. It says he was a Levite. What that means is he's part of the tribe in Israel who served as assistants to the priests, as doorkeepers in the temple or musicians, that kind of thing. But because he was from Cyprus... Because he was from Cyprus and hadn't been born in Israel, other Jews actually looked at him as a foreigner. Even though he was Jewish by blood, they considered, you know, that he would be tainted by gentile ways and as a result of this of this tension, he'd not be able to serve in the temple like his, his tribe normally was. So you'd expect that there to be some some angst over this. You know, what what would you expect if, if that was your situation? You might expect Barnabas to be a little bit upset or be a little bit sour, a little bit, you know, a little bit angry about all of this. You might expect him to be agitated or confrontational or maybe the opposite. He might be standoffish and and a little bit stuck up. But this is not what we see in Joseph the Levite from Cyprus. As a matter of fact, we see quite the opposite. Joseph is engaged and active in the life of the early church. He's the kind of guy that engages people in relationship, that comes alongside of them and cheers others on to the point that his friends and the apostles give him the nickname Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. It means encourager, because he's helped so many people. So, just keep your Bibles open because we're going to be looking at a number of texts from the book of Acts, and as we look at Barnabas's character this morning, we see three key things in Barnabas's life that make him an everyday hero. So, take out those notes that you have ready and let's look at this together. The first thing we want to learn from the life of Barnabas is this: that everyday heroes believe the best in others. Everyday heroes believe the best in others. Barnabas gave Saul a shot. Now, you might not know the whole story, so let me just quickly go through some of this history. You know, just like J.B. did with Matt Black, if you're not familiar, Saul was public enemy number one to the early church. He was present, giving silent approval to Stephen's death. He was the very first Christian martyr. He had been, Saul had been on a mission to destroy the church dragging people off to prison, breathing murderous threats against Jesus' disciples. But then on the way to Damascus one day, Jesus came in a flash of light, and he knocked him off his donkey on his—never mind. Um, And and anyway, they had this little short heart-to-heart about what Saul had been doing, about the fact that he had been persecuting Jesus and the church, and it was a life-transforming experience for Saul who was blind for a few days after, but eventually was cared for by this man named Ananias, who was sent by God for just that task. So just follow a little bit of a timeline with me. I know I'm going through the story pretty quickly, but Saul encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. Then for three days after, he remained in Damascus, blind from the encounter. And then Ananias came, prayed for him. He regained his sight and was baptized and was filled with the holy spirit. And then the story goes that he spent several days in Damascus and it says at once at once began preaching in the synagogues. Well, as you can imagine, uh, this raised some eyebrows. Was not this uh, the the man, the guy who just a couple of weeks ago was dragging our friends off to jail? Uh, this, this went on for a while, and, and there was some tension. And many days later, the story goes, a group of the Jews in Damascus conspired to kill Saul. They still felt he was their enemy. And so some of his new friends helped him escape Damascus, and he headed on to Jerusalem. Well, then he got to Jerusalem, and he tried to look up the disciples. Kind of like, hey, guys, remember me? It's me, Saul. And boy, did they remember right? It wasn't that long ago that, that Stephen had been killed, their friend, and other friends had been dragged off to prison. And so it's not very likely they were going to welcome him with open arms into their group. But then we read this in Acts chapter 9 and verse 27. And I love that it starts with the word but, because whenever you read the, the word but in Scripture, something's about to happen. Something's about to change. And it says, but Barnabas... But Barnabas took him and brought Saul to the apostles and he told them how that Saul had on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Look what Barnabas did. Barnabas stepped up and he vouched for him. He knew the worst about Saul. He knew the worst about him and yet he believed the best in him and that's what everyday heroes do. They look for and they see the best in others. They see the best in others. They sort through the negative stuff and look for the good. And then they take a chance. They take a chance, like J.B. did with Matt Black. J.B. could have said, nah, man, you're homeless. You've got no address. You've got no money. You've got no equity. Uh, It's just too much of a risk. But he didn't do that. And in, in Saul's case, Barnabas knew the risks, but still he took the chance. The disciples, they eventually, you know, welcomed him into their circle, I think probably a little bit hesitantly, and he began to preach there in Jerusalem, but there was still lots of unrest, and so some, some Grecian Jews now tried to kill him. So the disciples and the other believers, they helped Paul get out of Jerusalem, and they sent him to, to Tarsus. How would you like it if you were a brand new Christian, and everywhere you went, people wanted to kill you? People in the church, actually. That'd be kind of a little disconcerting, right? But, but Barnabas gives Saul a shot, And then Barnabas didn't forget about Saul over there in Tarsus when when a new church plant sprung up in Antioch and the church leaders sent Barnabas out there to lead that new work. They, you know, he he arrived and he looked around to see what was happening, everything that needed to be done. And and then Barnabas, it says in Acts 11.25, he went to Tarsus to look for Saul. He still remembered about Saul over there in Tarsus. And he remembered his story and how he had preached and taught in Jerusalem. And so Barnabas thought to himself, you know what? Saul could really be a help here in Antioch. So he went to Tarsus and found him. And he he brought him to where he was. He believed the best about Saul. He sought him out. He gave him a position of responsibility in his new church plant. It's it's important to believe the best in others. Barnabas did something similar with, with John Mark. You know, John Mark had been invited to travel with Saul and Barnabas and did so for a while before deciding that he maybe wasn't up for the task, and he left the group, and Saul and Barnas, Barnabas went on doing what they were doing. But later on in Acts 15, we find that, that as they are deciding to, to go back through and visit some of the churches they had planted and some of the believers there, that, that Paul and Barnabas because Saul had now started you know, using the Greek version of his name in order to sort of better relate to Greek culture, Paul and Barnabas decided to go back and visit a number of the churches that they had planted. But Barnabas advocated for Mark to go with them because he still saw potential in him. Paul was against it. Paul was was having a hard time with it because he felt Mark was a quitter, because he, you know, had had left them on that earlier journey. And in verse 39, we read that Barnabas chose Mark and he took him with him to sail for Cyprus. They parted ways and he gave Mark a second chance. Here's the great part about all of this. You know, Barnabas was someone who, who saw the best in others, who saw the best in others. But somewhere along the line, Barnabas's ability to see the best in others finally connected with Paul as well. And we know this for a couple of reasons. First, we know that eventually Paul acknowledged that John Mark was helpful to him in his ministry in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 11. And then we also discover that, that there's this principle of, of raising up younger leaders and seeing the best in others through Timothy's life as well. And in 1 Timothy 4.12, we see Paul talking to a younger Timothy and he says, he says, Timothy, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Because Paul saw potential in Timothy like Barnabas had seen potential in Saul originally. And so he challenged Timothy to do the same thing with others that Timothy was ministering to. And so we look at 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2 which is our apprenticeship verse here at Portico. And it says this, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. He said, Timothy, raise up other leaders. Make sure that you pour yourself into others because we need to see the best in others. Think about a time. Let's take a second and think about a time when someone saw the best in you, maybe even in spite of your failure. Anybody have a story like that? I think may, maybe a lot of us do. How did that make you feel? When you're given the second chance, how did it make you feel? They were, they were probably your hero for a few days anyway, because everyday heroes believe the best in others. And there's no feeling in the world like the feeling of being given a second chance, right? So everyday heroes believe the best in others. They also, secondly, live selflessly They live selflessly. Barnabas exemplifies selfless living really in two important ways. The first is his generosity, his generosity. Everyday heroes like Barnabas are generous to others. That text that we read earlier in Acts 4, 36, it goes on in verse 37 to say that Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, he sold a field he owned and he brought the money and he put it at the apostles' feet. Now, this was not a small thing. Some of you own property. You know what property's worth. And you think, well, you know, Barnabas's property wouldn't be worth what my property is today. That's true. But if you, if you sort of extrapolate it out over time, it would have similar value in that economy. And he sold his property, and it says that he just brought it and he laid it at the disciples' feet. He didn't just drop some cash in the offering plate. He, he sold the property, and he brought all of the money and gave it to the disciples. Now notice it says, he laid it at their feet. He laid it at their feet. It's, it's, it's very sort of symbolic. He, he released it to them. He didn't make a big show of his giving. He didn't ask for, you know, his name on a plaque or a building named after him. He just gave it for the disciples to distribute to those who had need as they saw fit. That's true selfless generosity. Jesus talks about, you know, giving. And he says, he says, in in his encouragement in Matthew six and three, don't let your don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And people read that, and sometimes I think, well, what does that even mean? Like I, you know, they can sort of see each other. But but what it means is, don't don't make a big show of your giving. Don't don't do that so that other people will see. We shouldn't, we shouldn't give that way. If we learn how to give quietly out of a true and a selfless heart of generosity, you will be amazed at how amazing it makes you feel, even though no one knows about what you did when you see the benefits of your giving. Uh, there's a writer, his name is Frank Clark, and he says, real generosity is doing something for someone who will never find out. That's good. That's good because true generosity really is selfless. John Holmes said, there's no exercise better for the heart. How many of you do cardio exercises? You want a healthy heart, right? Believe it or not, I've actually been doing cardio lately, totally against my religion, but I went to the doctor and it seems it's not against his. So, you know, We do heart exercises, but here's what John Holmes says. He says, there's no exercise better for the heart than reaching down and lifting other people up. Isn't that good? Yeah, so do some cardio this week. Everyday heroes are generous because they live selflessly. That's who Barnabas was. But there's a second way that we see Barnabas live selflessly. We see it in his humility, in his humility. Barnabas was a leader in his own right, It was Barnabas that was sent to lead the church in Antioch. He was the church planter, he was the the senior pastor, essentially. But look what happened Barnabas saw, not only saw the potential in Saul and took a chance on him as his assistant or his associate pastor there in Antioch, but he, he actually eventually saw him surpass himself. Because, you know, later we see that the key personality in their missionary journeys becomes, becomes Saul or becomes Paul. He was truly a servant to Saul, even though in the beginning Barnabas was the, the leader. He was the person in charge. Well, how do I know that? Well, when you look at the Scriptures, we know this happened in the case of Barnabas and Saul because in the ancient world it's very significant to look at the order in which people's names are listed. The order in which their names are recorded means something. It, it tells you sort of who's in charge, who's the, the more prominent personality. And so the, the order of record gives us this insight. And so look with me very quickly. I'm just going to go through these quick. Acts eleven twenty six. 26, it says for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people, Barnabas and Saul. 11 and verse 30, people sent their gifts to help their brothers and sisters to Barnabas and Saul. Acts 12 and verse 25, we see it again. Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission and they returned to Jerusalem. Acts 13 and verse 2, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul as the leaders sent them out from the church in Antioch. Acts 13 and verse 7, the proconsul sends for Barnabas and Saul. Acts 13 and 42, it says, as Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue. Luke changes the order of the names. In Acts chapter 13 and verse 42, indicating that that Paul now has moved into the place of, of leadership. And in most cases where their names are recorded together thereafter, the order remains with Paul, the Greek version of Saul's name, in front, Paul and Barnabas. Great leaders are humble leaders who are not intimidated by other great leaders and rather than try and hold them back or keep them down, will even step out of the spotlight in order that the other may succeed. That's what great leaders do. This is selflessness at its very best. Barnabas didn't need to be first. He was more concerned with the greater good, the cause of Christ, the growth of the church, and the spreading of the good news of the gospel. And so Barnabas faded into the background while Paul took center stage. You read later in Paul's writing, we find that Paul also had learned this principle of of selflessness. Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4, he writes and he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Because everyday heroes believe the best in others, and they live selflessly. They live selflessly. And then lastly this morning, everyday heroes, they're led by the Spirit. Everyday heroes are led by the Spirit of God. In the context of God's kingdom or of his church or of his family, this, this body of believers who follow Jesus, in this context, most importantly, everyday heroes are led by the Spirit of God. Barnabas is an example of someone who was led by the Spirit. We read it in, in the story that, that when the church leaders, you know, sent Barnabas out to Antioch, there to see what was happening. They heard that Greeks were coming to Jesus. And so they said, Barnabas, you go and, and, and lead that over there. And when he arrived and saw all that was going on, it says in Acts 11 and 24, it says this about Barnabas, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Well, what does it mean? What does it mean to be, to be led by the Spirit? Well it means that we it means that we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives and we do things that we believe the Holy Spirit is is asking us or leading us to do. You see when when you said yes to Jesus and when I said yes to Jesus I believe that the Holy Spirit came to be with us to live in us because before Jesus physically left this earth he said to to those that were with him. He promised his disciples that he would send the Holy Spirit so that they would have a comforter and a counselor, that the Holy Spirit would lead them and guide them with truth and give them words to say and direct their steps and their lives. Barnabas was a man who was full of faith and who was led by the Spirit of God. And I need you to know today that same Holy Spirit lives in us and can lead us, and we can listen to hear his voice. I heard a story just recently, and this gentleman's name is Brian Bolt. Brian is a man with an amazing testimony. I don't have time to go into his whole story, but he was near death, and he received Christ in in an ambulance, in the back of an ambulance after being shot in the head. It's quite a dramatic story, but I don't, you know, he went on, this man went on to plant an inner city church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And now he's involved in leading a, a church planting organization called City Reach that plants churches all across the U.S. and Canada. And and Brian, before he met Jesus, he, he was just an average, everyday, ordinary guy. Matter of fact, he was a drug addict and an, and an alcoholic. But the transforming power of the Holy Spirit turned him into I think, an everyday hero. He told this story at a a workshop that I attended recently, and I'll try and keep it brief. But he he and a colleague were meeting with with a donor who had helped them with the church planting ministry before. And, and this donor was a very wealthy individual and, and very philanthropic. And, and uh, they were asking him to help with some future initiatives that they were looking at doing. And, and they'd worked out a plan together, Brian and his friend, who were going to make this presentation to their donor. Brian was going to open the lunch meeting and, and tell the donor a bit about what they had accomplished at that point, And then his friend was going to jump in and, and you know, talk a little bit about the initiatives going forward and what they were hoping to do. And then, and then Brian was going to come back in, you know, and, and go for the kill, make the, make the ask. And they had decided that they were going to ask this donor for $100,000. They thought that was that was a pretty big number. And so, so what happened, though, was the donor was late for the meeting. And while they were sitting at the table waiting for the donor to come, Brian, he likes to drink a lot of water. And so he he had been drinking glass after glass full of, of ice water. And, and when the donor finally came, Brian couldn't sit there any longer. He had, had to excuse himself to go to the bathroom. And so he tells the story and he says, I'm standing in the bathroom and I'm, uh, well, you know, doing what you do in the bathroom. And uh, he said, I'm, I'm there. And I, I literally, he said, I, I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to me, you need to ask this man for a million dollars. And he said, he said, I'm in the bathroom, and he said, I, I said right out loud, shut up, no way. <laughs> now, I don't recommend that you say shut up to the Holy Spirit, but, but, but after he said that, he's, he couldn't get away from it. He, he felt like the Holy Spirit was just, just really impressing him to ask for a million dollars. And so he said he finished, you know, what he was doing, and, and he went and he washed his hands because that's what you're supposed to do after you're in the bathroom, and he went back out to the table and his, his friend was into the presentation already and, and so he just kind of jumped in and, and interrupted and he said to the donor, he said, you know what, I was, I was just in the bathroom over there going to the bathroom and, and I felt like the Holy Spirit told me that I was supposed to ask you for a million dollars. Yes. Brian said the donor's eyes glistened with tears and he said to him, Brian... I've I've wanted to give you a million dollars for the last two years, but the Holy Spirit told me not to until you asked. Isn't that amazing? The Holy Spirit can speak to you. You can hear his voice. You can be led by the Spirit of God. Everyday heroes are led by the Spirit. Galatians 5 and 25 says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let's, let's do what the Spirit's doing and go where the Spirit's going. Romans 8 and 14 says that, that we're part of God's family when we're led by the Spirit. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. If you're here today and you're saying, Well, you know what, I'm not a pastor of a church, I'm not a church planter. I can't hear the voice of the Spirit like Pastor Doug does, or or I can't hear the voice of the Holy Spirit like like Brian Bolt does. Or you know what? That's wrong. That's not true. The Holy Spirit lives in you. If you believe in Jesus, if you've accepted him into your heart, he wants the spirit wants to lead and to guide your life. And when Peter spoke to the crowd in Acts 2, he told them that the promised gift of the Holy Spirit was for them and it was for their children and it was for all who are afar off and for all who put their faith in Jesus Christ. That's who the Holy Spirit's for. Is that you today? Then you can hear the voice of the spirit. You can be led by the spirit. We just need to listen or His voice. Sometimes it comes through a thought or through a strong impression that we can't seem to explain. But just remember one thing. The Holy Spirit will never say anything to you that contradicts His Word. The Bible is the inspired Word of God, the Spirit-inspired Word of God. And so if you hear the Holy Spirit tell you that you should, you know, take money from the till at work because you need it more than your boss does, that's probably not the Holy Spirit speaking to you. No, it's definitely not. Sorry. And if, if the Holy Spirit says that you should leave your wife, that's not the Holy Spirit. We know that because we test it with the Word of God. And so let's be people who are sensitive to the Holy Spirit, who are led by Him, and who discern what the Spirit is saying to us. I, I love that we can be led by the voice of the Spirit, and I love this, this life of Barnabas, this everyday hero. So what is, what is the impact of the life of an everyday hero? Uh, John Ortberg, who is a, a great communicator and, and pastor, he, he did a message on Barnabas, and I'm going to steal this next little bit just from him. But he talked about this, and he said, do you, do you ever think about what, folks, what you want folks to say at your funeral? Have you ever thought about this, what you want people to say at your funeral? Anybody? Morbid people. <laughs> anyway, uh, so John says this. He says, I think about what Barnabas' funeral must have been like. A man gets up to speak, and it's the apostle Paul. And everybody whispers, and they nudge each other, because it's Paul. He's famous, and he says, he says I persecuted the church. I put followers of Jesus to death and, and threw them into prison. Nobody trusted me. No one would, would touch me, but then Barnabas came along, and he put his arm around me, and he said, I'll vouch for him. I stand, for you. I stand in front of you today because of Barnabas. And then he said, you know, John Mark gets up, and he's an old man by now, and people nudge each other. He wrote the Gospel of Mark. He's, he's famous. And he says, the truth about me is, I was a quitter. He says, I, you know, I ran away from, from Jesus and his call on my life and, and from ministry, but Barnabas wouldn't give up on me. He saw something in me. I don't know why or what. And he took me under his wings, and he said, I'll vouch for him. I'll vouch for him. I'm here today because of Barnabas. Then a Greek guy from Antioch gets up, and he says, I was a pagan, and I was so lost, it wasn't funny. And then I I heard that that Jesus, uh, you know, loved me, and I wanted in, but I didn't know Jewish tradition. I didn't know the law. I didn't know Torah. I could never be Jewish, but, but then Barnabas came along, and he said that Jesus came for a guy like me. And he put his arm around me, and he said, I'll vouch for him. I'm here today because of this man, Barnabas. And then he said, an old widow stands up and nobody nudges anybody else because she's not famous. They don't have any idea who she is. She says, says, I lost everything when my husband died. I, I had no income. I had young children. I didn't know if I'd make it. And then Barnabas came along and he quietly sold his property so that I could have something to live on and so that I could feed my children. I'm here today because of Barnabas. Now, I don't know about you, but I want people to say stuff like that about me at my funeral. Not anytime soon, of course, <laughs> but, but someday. And, and I know that you do too. Here's the thing. We can all make an effort to believe the best in others. We can all make an effort to, to live selflessly. And in our own strength, we, we, we will have some impact. We'll, we'll make some difference. But I believe the key to all of this, the key to being an everyday hero like Barnabas is to live a life that is led by the Spirit of God because being led by the Spirit is the game changer. So, so just like we talked about last Sunday, when we try to produce something in our own strength, when we try to, to produce the fruit of the Spirit, when we try to do these things in our own strength, it's going to be sadly lacking. It'll just produce human fruit. But when we allow the Holy Spirit... To work in our lives. We add the life and the fruit and the leading of of the Spirit working through us and in us. And folks, that, that makes all the difference. And you have no idea, as as a Barnabas, as an encourager, you might be sitting here today and sitting next to you could could be Saul, could be the next Billy Graham, could be the next, you know, elder in our church, could be the next spiritual leader and teacher. There's, there's just no end to the possibilities if we learn how to be everyday heroes and become encouragers. Amen? Amen? Father, in Jesus' name today, we thank you for your word. Lord, as we just respond in a moment of worship, I pray that you would, you would seal these thoughts in our heart. And God, help us to just open up our hearts this morning, Lord, to be led and to be, to be directed and to be guided by the power of your Holy Spirit. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us? We're going to respond in a moment of worship, and I want to just encourage you. You don't know the words, that's okay. Listen to these words, and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart as we just open ourselves up to what he wants to do in us today. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, that God, no matter what we face, Lord, no matter how difficult it might seem to be the kind of person that we're talking about this morning, to be someone who believes the best in others and who lives selflessly, that God, we can know that, Lord, no matter what circumstance, no matter the personality that we're dealing with, God, that you are always with us, that we will never be without you because of your Holy Spirit who's at work in our hearts and in our lives. So, Spirit of God, we're open. Spirit, come and lead and guide and direct our lives. We want to hear your voice. And, Lord, we pray that, God, we would just seal that together today as we, we, Lord, together in faith, pray this little prayer and say, Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me. I want you to work in my heart and in my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. God bless you. You And go ahead and take your seats.